I want you to open your Bibles. Anywhere's fine. It's all anointed. <laughs> but I want you to open your Bible to Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to begin with verse 1. And last night, we, uh, there was uh, pastors from uh, Voice of Triumph were here. Pastor Marty and Jim uh, Souza and some of their staff members were here. And their, one of their staff members... He showed me in the back room. He said this morning when he got up to pray, that was Friday morning when he got up to pray, he said the Lord just took him to a scripture and spoke to him. And the scripture was Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Which is exactly was the theme scripture, the base scripture for the whole weekend. And he wrote down, because the base three words for the whole weekend, he had written down, come up here which is the base three words of this whole weekend, come up here. So I, I, it was, he was so excited, but I was excited. You know, when you get that, you know, I don't know about you, but you sit back and say, oh, wow, I do hear from God. Come on, amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes, sometimes we preachers like to pretend like we've got it perfect all the time, right? And then we send an impression that somehow walking in the Spirit is this realm of never questioning, never getting it wrong. You're so, no, you know that you know exactly what God said every moment of every minute and every second. And, and we, we, we want to put on that confidence. But the reality is that's not how most of them are behind the scenes. Because I've been with them behind the scenes and they're just like us. Come on, amen. And so sometimes we try to portray a strength. In fact, it was kind of indoctrinated in the older generation, the uh, the uh, Or Roberts generation. It was kind of indoctrinated. Don't ever let people see weakness from the platform. Don't let them see your struggle. Don't let them see your weakness because you got to build their faith. But what happened is it and, and inadvertently, and I understand what they were trying to get at, but inadvertently what it built was it built a false representation of what it is to walk in the spirit. So that the average person didn't feel like they could ever arrive there. Because they looked at what was being portrayed from the pulpit in comparison to what their real lives are like. And so somehow I'm, oh, I'm not that spiritual or I can't ever walk in that because I don't have it like that. They seem like they, it's like God's talking to them nonstop and they're, they're positive on every single thing and everything they touch turns to gold. Right? But I, I have things sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, you know. And you, so, so many people then sat back and they began to believe a lie that because I am not like what I see portrayed from the pulpit, then I can't really be used mightily by God. So let's just let them do the work and we'll attend and amen and shout, but we'll release it to them because they're the ones anointed. And I have determined in my heart to break down the barrier between the pulpit and the pew. Come on. And, to, and for us to begin to walk in this thing in a living reality. Because sometimes you don't know what to do. Hello. Sometimes the circumstances seem so overwhelming. Sometimes you feel like you have no strength. You have no power. Sometimes you feel utterly weak. Sometimes you feel like you're just going to crash. But God 
is able to keep that which you commit to him. Huh? And instead of portraying ourselves as having arrived, I want us to live this thing out in reality. And to realize that we're all growing in grace. We're all growing in God. We're all growing in our revelation and the knowledge and understanding of the mysteries and secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And that's that's where we want to be. We want to be in that place. And that's where I want God's people because 90% of the work of God that's coming in the days ahead are not going to be centered around the pulpit. I'm going to say that again. At least 90% of the work of God that's coming in these days is not going to be centered around the pulpit. It's going to be happening out there in the streets and at your homes and at your jobs. It's going to be happening, you know, spontaneously all over the place. There's going to always be a place for pulpit ministry and this kind of gathering. And that's very important. But so much has got to flow from us. But you cannot give what you have not received. See, I'm determined to preach myself out of a job. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he says he gave some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And then the Amplified, verse 12, says this, for the perfecting and full equipping of the saints that they should do the work of ministry towards building up Christ's body, the church, until. Verse 13, everybody say until. Until. There's an until. God gave the fivefold ministry until. Until we reach, until we grow into really mature manhood. Until we grow in the unity of the spirit. Until we grow into the oneness of the faith. But that's not going to happen until the body does the work of ministry. And that's not going to happen until the, until the pulpit begins to release the power reins. Uh, all right. And stop trying to make it all about us. Are, are y'all hearing me? You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Because there are, there are people that have received great gifts from God. But because they have a spirit of insecurity that dominates in their lives, they create a system where the people are dependent upon them in order for you to get your miracle. Are y'all hearing me? They make them dependent upon why? They want job security. I want to get out of a job. I want so many. I want people so filled with God and so flowing in the gifts of God that I might show up and just sit down and enjoy for the whole service. I'm okay with that as long as I get an offering. No, no. No, I I joke because that's, you know, we want to make a dependent. You know, that's why, oh my goodness, I saw something the other day just about made the, well... I saw this prophetess, famous prophetess, offering a, a, a master class on prayer, spiritual warfare, or, or, go, or prayer, or going to the Holy of Holy. Only $2,500 for eight sessions. $2,500. I said, what? $2,500. But, hey, don't worry about it. With your $2,500, you got a tote bag. 
I said, well, the marketing that's going on. See, something came out of, and I'm going somewhere with all this, but something came out of the pandemic where many itinerant ministers, they all of a sudden had nowhere to preach. Right? They had nowhere to preach, so they had to find out another way to make money. So many of them started offering online paid courses. They call them all master classes. I want to want, want to know how they all became master class. They're a master class on this and master class, and they start charging and, and and some of them start making a lot of money. Then they realize I can put out my Facebook ads and then I can sit there and I've, I've figured out how to get people into it because we're going to offer the master class. But if you sign up early, you get it for ninety nine or one hundred ninety nine. But if, but the retail price is nineteen hundred ninety nine. They're lying like the devil himself. They were never going to sell that for $19.99. Are y'all hearing me? I don't mean $1,999. They were never going to sell for two grand, but they're trying to get you to feel like there's a great deal. So I better grab it while the great deal is. It's man's marketing techniques to manipulate the emotions of people. And the Lord began to put into my spirit very strongly. I told you last night that our new book... Satan's big fat lie, breaking the curse of shame, has come out. And I'm telling you, you got to get a hold of it. It's incredible. But there's a follow-up book that's going to come out February 7th, being released by Charisma. And it's called Looking Unto Jesus, 30 Days of Transformation. And it's the 30 descriptions of Christ. And I'm putting it all in book form. But then I realized I can't get it all in a book because the book is thick. And so then it got in the heart. I got I to gotta film this. I got to do a teaching on this. So we started producing this on Tuesday nights on, through Zadok and on our webpage and stuff. Uh, and through uh, Facebook, you could see it. But every Tuesday night at 5 p.m., your guys' time, we're releasing these messages. We just released the first two so you can catch up. But there's going to be, I filmed 26 of them. I'm not even a third of the way through. It's going to take me like 70 half-hour messages to get through this. Are y'all hearing me? But I, because I saw all these things and everybody's doing it and they say make a course and market it. And, you know, it costs a lot of money, takes an incredible amount of time. And I mean, man hours is crazy Everyone, to produce every single one. But, but, but I, I, my spirit, man, just was like, Ugh. and I just said, you know what, Lord? No. I'm not going to charge. Boy, y'all quiet. I'm not going to do it. I I can't. I said, I'm going to produce this. I'm going to release it. You bring in the finances, but I'm not going to charge. Are y'all here? I don't care. And I'm not trying to be critical of anybody else that does, but I'm just telling you, it's just like we're in a day. We cannot go the way of the world and the methods of the world. Because now you've even got ministers who are having master classes teaching other ministers how to market their ministry better. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's, just, it's nonstop. And it's like every time my insides are going, where have we gone with this? Where? Why are we selling the anointing? The money is an important part. We all know that. Do you understand? It's money is important. You got to have it. You know, and you got to have the abundance. But, but 
you cross a line to where you begin to market the ministry and market the anointing. And I'm telling you, it may not happen overnight, but step by step, we get farther and farther away from the purity. Because when you begin the path of marketing the anointing, mark the words of this prophet. When you begin down the path of marketing the anointing God's given you, you will begin to change the message to get a greater market. Huh? Because when you market what God has given you, then you start changing the message so you can reach a broader market. And now you've gone down a slippery slope that will drive you so far away from God and you won't even know how you got there. It's happening. A seduction. We're sold our souls to Facebook Live and to Facebook and YouTube and, and all of these things. And I'm saying, guys, listen, the platforms are there and I don't mind utilizing them, but do not build your dependency upon them because we've seen they can shut you down in a heartbeat. So what is happening? Many, many pastors, I'm telling you, I hear them say, I got to be careful what I say because we're on Facebook Live and they're scanning everything. We don't want them to shut us down. So when did you decide that Mark Zuckerberg gets to tell you what to preach? Come on now. Come on now. Huh? Got to go into a realm different. God wants to take a people into a heavenly realm. A realm that may cost you everything. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you your job. Boy, it's quiet now. Come on, it may cost you everything. But there is nothing in comparison to the manifestation of the revelation of the glory of God. I read an article today or a response. Somebody posted a quote from uh, Billy Sunday, great revivalist. And he said, although revivals are temporary, just like a, a, a bath, it does you good to have them once in a while. Right? Because revivals, that people go, the, the seasons come and go. That's the way they are. But then this guy responded, and he basically started saying, well, yeah, most revivals, it ends up five years later. The people are broke. The people are busted. And they start speaking negative. And I was like, well, what is the option? What is the opposite? It's like, no, that's not true. You're focusing. And the reason they're focusing is because often when a real revival hits, like happened with John Kilpatrick, you know he lost half his church? Hello? Everybody saw the big crowds. They said, look at that. And that's why people got excited. Many preachers got excited. We want to have revival because we want to have the crowds. He lost half his church. He lost half his leaders. You have to understand when God really shows up, he is going to sift and shake out those that don't really want him. In fact, the Lord spoke to me years ago when we were in this great move of God. He said the strongest, and I saw it. He said the strongest outpourings in my spirit will happen after 10 o'clock. I said, why? He says, because that's where the spectators have gone home. He said, I'm going to move strongest when the people, and we would see it. We'd be like at the very end of the service, and every, you know, half the people had gone home and stuff. And then, even sometimes we'd dismiss, and then the fire of God would hit the place. 
No, I remember people trying to walk out the door, and I should say, hey, bam, they're hitting the floor. And it was blocking the door. Nobody could go out. And the fire of God would hit for another hour. Woo! I don't know about you, but I want the pure, I want the real, and I want the fire of God. I don't want to. I don't want to just attend a revival. I want to be in the midst of it. I want to be at the forefront of it, and I'm willing to pay and pray the price to get it. And I'm telling you, I know that God is looking for a place, places that will host an outbreak of the Holy Ghost. But see, remember what we read yesterday. Let, let's go there. So we read from Jeremiah when Jeremiah had spoke. To the people, the people had come to Jeremiah in chapter 42. And they came to Jeremiah. We're going to get to Revelation 4 in a moment. And Jeremiah, they said, intercede for us. Whatever you do, whatever you tell us, we'll do. He said, then the prophet Jeremiah said to him, I have heard. Indeed, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words. Verse 4. And it shall be that whatever the Lord answers you, I will declare it to you. I will keep nothing back from you. And verse 6, they, they made a swear, they swear, they swore, we'll do it. And then he said, whether it's pleasing or displeasing, this is what the Israelites said. We will obey the voice of the Lord our God, to whom we send you, that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. Everybody say, the voice of the Lord. They said, we will obey the voice of the Lord. Then the voice of the Lord came. And told them to do something they didn't really want to do. And verse we see in chapter 43, they say, oh, no, we think you're lying to us. We came to you to hear a word, but then when you gave us the word, we told you, we, we're with you. Pastor, I'm telling you how many people come and say, I'm with you through thick and thin. I'll be with you, whether there's fire or whether it's trouble or what I'm with you. God connected me. And then the moment something comes a little bit different than they were expecting, they bail. Now, you say, why are you saying this? Because the people who are going to go before the throne of God, who are going to answer the call, come up here. God will not bring you into the heavenly realm to show you the things to come unless he knows he can trust you will do what he says to do with what he shows you. And it doesn't matter that you say you'll do it. Will you actually do it? Are you willing to pay the price for radical obedience? Told you yesterday that 49 times in the Bible, the phrase, the voice of the Lord appears 49 times. 34 of those times is directly connected to either obey or disobey or heed. 32 times obey, disobey, and two times heed. So most of the time where it says the voice of the Lord, and most of the other times where it says the voice of the Lord, it simply just describes the power. Seven of those are in Psalm 29. It describes the power of the voice of the Lord. But when it speaks about God actually speaking, almost every single incident is when God is giving them a command and it's referring, did you, will you obey my voice, the voice of the Lord? Or did you, because they disobeyed the voice of the Lord. 
We say we want to hear God. We say we're a prophetic generation. But are we willing to rise up to the accountability of hearing the voice of the Lord? I'm not talking about that little nudge in your spirit. I'm talking about the voice of the Lord. Everybody say the voice of the Lord. And we're going to get it that the voice of the Lord like a trumpet. The voice of the Lord like a trumpet. Psalm 29. Go there quickly. Because the whole weekend is about entering into the heavenly realm. But listen, folks, this is not about just going and saying, ooh, that's cool. I kind of had a heavenly experience and I saw these cool things. And We're talking about a people that will hear the voice of God and then obey and declare everything God said. Because I know a lot of struggle. Do you really want me to say that? Yes. Everything that God says. Psalm 29. Beginning with verse 3. I love 1 and 2. says, well, 1 and 2, give, give unto the Lord. O ye mighty ones, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. And that literally speaks that he's authority over the atmosphere, over the waters of the sea and the waters in the air and over the clouds. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. Somebody say thunders. Put that in your spirit. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Sirlon like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And his temple, and in his temple, everyone says glory. So this voice of God is not some little nudge, not some little you ate pizza last night and I think God's talking to me. Come on, amen. It's, It's this voice of the Lord. Begins to speak to us of God exercising heavenly supernatural power in all the realms of the natural world. The voice of the Lord is over the weather. The voice of the Lord is over, has power to break the mightiest trees. The voice of the Lord is powerful. It's full of incredible supernatural power. He's talking about this voice of God. Ever say the voice of the Lord? Lord. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1. And after these things, and it's very important, you put that in your spirit. I heard you mock me earlier. (laughs) No, no, not mock me. No. 
After these things. Everybody say, after these things. Why is it important? Because you're not going to really step into the revelation of chapter 4, verse 1, until you go through the experience of chapter 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to say that again. You're not going to, you're not going to jump ship. You're not going to jump ahead of line. You're not going to enter into this experience of chapter 4 until you go through what God is trying to teach you in 1, 2, and 3. The 30 descriptions of Jesus in chapter 1. And then the corrections and rebukes and encouragements of the seven churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3. He's got to get rid of the lukewarmness. He's got to get, he's got to get people back to their first love. He's got to get rid of the idolatry and the sexual immorality. Huh? He's got to get rid of the things that are causing division. He's got to get rid of the pride. The people think, oh, we're wealthy and rich. Look how blessed we are. And God said, you're poor, naked, blind. We got, to, he, we got to deal with all of that so we can be ready to go into the throne of heaven. Verse 1, and after these things, I looked. <laughs> Someone say he looked. Now, I, this is very important. Every word is important. John is not being a passive participant of this experience. John is it having this encounter? Jesus appeared to him. He fell to the ground as though dead. Now he's writing these messages to the church. But John is still looking. Huh? He's looking. There is a state that we begin to get into our spiritual journey. Where we're always spiritually looking. What is God saying? Where is God moving? It's so, that's why the enemy is a master of distraction. Huh. Yes, Holy Ghost. He has kept us so busy being distracted by the latest text or push notification that comes flying on our phone that has really nothing to do with eternity. So we're focused on all of our attention keeps being drawn away, drawn away, drawn away, drawn away. So that we, our minds are filled with all of this busyness of our day. So that we're not staying in a continual state of looking towards heaven. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Where you're looking with an expectation of God to speak, God to reveal, God to move. I'm telling you, if you'll get a hold of this one thing right here, you'll start seeing miracles in your life like never before. Because we have walked past, I'm telling you from the Lord, we have walked past more opportunities for God to bring a miracle to somebody because we're so distracted that we're in the grocery store, we're out in public, we don't even pay attention. We are not looking. We're not walking around saying, okay, Lord, where are you going? One of the things that happened so powerfully when we went on our journey in 2020 to all 48 states, 105 cities, 175 locations. God told me, don't even let anybody on Facebook know. He said, don't, know, don't advertise it. Huh? He said, don't let the devil's crowd know what you're doing. 
In fact, I'm going to hit that for a moment. Some, there's many things God, when this voice of God begins to come to you, there's many things God's going to begin to tell you. Don't post it. Oh, the Lord told me, so I'm going to do this. So we all pray for me. Well, some of them are going to pray. Some of them are going to curse. But then you're going to get distracted because the devil, I'm sure, will stir somebody up to make a response to what you just said. Something that's negative, something that's contrary, something to release fear. Something, oh, y'all hearing me? You got to be more like the little, the, the little widow woman. Huh? When the prophet came to her and he said, go get, buy all the containers from all your friends that you can. And then close the door and shut the window. Because you cannot afford to have the forces of doubt and unbelief peeking in on you when you're stepping out for the supernatural. Because you know some nosy neighbor would have come up and said, what do you think you're doing there? That little cruise won't fill that thing up. You're just gone crazy. And then that voice, not the voice of the Lord, which she had received from the prophet, but the voice of another would begin to distract her and cause her to question the voice of God. Huh? See, we've been indoctrinated and trained in our modern society to put everything out there in public and put it out there. And then we're, then we're constantly dealing with the, excuse my French, the stupid comments people make. Right? And the responses they make and the stuff. And then we get in debates and arguments and the devil's just saying, distracted. <laughs> distracted. Whew, I just wasted three hours of their time. Three hours they weren't looking to God. What are you doing? So when we were in these 40, God sent us on this prophetic journey. Didn't let anybody know. I mean, we let you guys know here privately, but we didn't let people know publicly what we were doing. We were going to every place we walk up. We knew as we're driving in, we even have certain music we would put on. Certain very prophetic, spontaneous worship that had been recorded. And we would put those certain things on because they just get, there's certain sounds and rhythms and patterns that release the prophetic. And we would, uh, y'all hear me on this? So we would, we would just be, we would put that on and we would just shakarababa. Lord, what, 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 where, 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 what? Looking, looking, looking. It's amazing how much you'll see when you look. And behold, after these things, I looked and behold. I love that word. That's not like, like, hey, check it out. It's like, behold. A door. Everybody say a door. Mm standing open in heaven. Say this after me, an open heaven. Open heaven. Reality is, most Christians are not actively living under an open heaven. We, we talk about it in our messages on prosperity, and almost always referred to it to more money coming to us. But that is not what the open heaven is predominantly about. There will always be supernatural provision. That is not the open heaven. How many remember the story? Jacob. Jacob had 
received the blessing of the firstborn. It didn't rightfully belong to him by natural rules, but God had said, no, I'm not following the natural rules. I'm, I'm making sure you get it. Are y'all hearing me? From the womb, he chose Jacob over Esau. So don't ever get jealous of who God chooses. And so he had pretended, put on hairy animal skin because his brother was really hairy. He must have been really hairy. <laughs> and, and his father was nearly blind. And, and, and the father said, he said, your voice is that of Jacob, but your skin is that of Esau. And he released the blessing. Now, I want to put this in your spirit. We don't understand the power, the authority, and the permanency of the blessing. Because when Isaac released the blessing upon Jacob, when Esau came in and said, isn't there one for me? And Jacob or Isaac said, no, I've already given it. So the blessing isn't some random words that you speak in an emotional state that you just think. The blessing is a transfer of power and authority and spiritual dominion. Come on, come on. It's a transfer of destiny. See, the, 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 okay, are you all with me on this? The, we're going somewhere. The right of the firstborn. They got everybody, again, we, our modern, we're so f- focused on the wrong things. We, we said the, the, the firstborn got the double portion. But the reason the firstborn got the double portion is because the firstborn couldn't choose his own life. The firstborn was required to carry on the destiny of the father. The firstborn couldn't choose his own career, couldn't choose his own path. The firstborn had the right to carry on the lineage of the family. Are y'all hearing me? Because he had a greater responsibility to carry on the spiritual lineage and the lineage of the family, he was given a double portion to fulfill the destiny. So when Jacob got the firstborn, when Isaac released it, it was a permanent impartation. You say, why are you saying this? Because we're going to see in a moment God transferring and God establishing the spiritual lineage. When we begin to look at this concept of the open heaven, we need to begin to understand the seriousness of what God is doing and about to do. This is not about just having jerks and jiggles. This is about stepping in to a spiritual lineage. Stepping into an eternal plan and destiny of God that is far greater than any single individual. So now... Esau's mad, going to kill him. Mama said, get out of here, Jacob. You listen to my words, go. Now Jacob leaves. He's going across the desert. He's fleeing for his life. His mom said, it's just a few days until he cools down. It was kind of like they told us about COVID, just two weeks to slow the curve, you know, right? To flatten the curve. But it turned on a long time. He's out there and he ends up stopping in a place. 
He's a rich man. He has no servants now. He has no tent. He has to use a rock, a stone to lay his head on. Isn't it interesting that immediately after God transferred to him the right of the firstborn, the anointing to carry on the Abrahamic covenant, immediately he ends up in the wilderness all by himself with no resources sleeping on a rock. He fell asleep and then boom, he had... This vision, this dream. And he saw a ladder going from earth to heaven. And the Bible says he saw angels ascending and descending. Put that in your spirit. Someone say ascending and descending. Notice the angels were not descending and then ascending. They were ascending and then descending. They were going up first, and then they were coming back down. You say, why? I believe Revelation tells us when the angels go up before the throne of God, and they bring the censer full of the incense, which is the prayers of the saints, and they offer before God. Then they mix fire from the altar. They mix it with the prayer of the saints, and they throw it back to the earth. The sign of an, one of the signs of an open heaven is that God, the prayers that you are now are taken directly to the throne of God, and God begins to answer them with fire. See, Jesus even said, remember when Nathaniel, he said, you marvel because I say I saw you under the tree, but I would tell you. You will see angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. <laughs> and here he is. This God, then he looks up and he sees the angels ascending and descending. And he sees God standing at the open heaven. And the first thing God says is, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Jacob, or Isaac. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And as I was with them, so I will be with you. I promised to them a land. They didn't get it, but you're going to get Oh, y'all hearing me? I will not leave you until everything I've spoken is accomplished. Say, why is this important? Because we've got to get into the understanding that the first thing that happens when the heavens begin to open is God begins to connect you to your spiritual lineage. You are not an individual. You are not just, this is not about what, what is my ministry. You will not really understand your destiny till you tap in to the lineage that has gone before you because you are part of a master plan of God. I'm going to say that again. You are part of a master plan of God. You're not an afterthought. You're not a side thought. You're a part of a master plan of God. So until we understand what is my spirit. Is this getting too deep for you? Until I said, see people. Can I, can I just share some private things with you? Now, brother, brother Mike knows this. 
Travis can confirm this, but wherever I travel in the world, everywhere I go in the world, and I mean everywhere I go in the world, I have people come up to me, people who never met me, people who don't know anything about my background, but every, they constantly come up and say, when we hear you minister, we hear more Cirillo. I even heard a man he, in Sri Lanka. He was from Papua New Guinea. He came up to me. He said, he said I said, I, I heard about this meeting. I don't know who you are. He said, but when you ministered, he said, I don't know if you ever heard of this man, but he came to my country 25 years ago, did a crusade in a school of ministry. I got saved. He said, but when I heard you minister, you, I felt his spirit on you. I don't know if you know him. His name is Morris Cirillo. Yeah. I said, he's my papa. He's my spiritual papa. I sat in Dr. Cirillo's office 2008, him and mama and me for about two, three hours. And I said to him at one point, I said, Papa, all these people talk about they want your mantle. They want to receive the mantle. I said, but the reality is they don't want your mantle. They want your ministry. And when I said that, Mama sucked the air out of the room. She went, that's right. And Brother Srila began to say, yeah, that's right. He, it's like, you could see, like, light bulbs went off him. I said, they want your influence. They want your, 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 your visibility. They want your money. But they don't really want your mantle. They want your ministry. And he sat back. I'm telling you, it was like his eyes were open. He was like going, that's exactly, it's like, it's like bells started going off inside his head, realizing so many people that had come around him saying, oh, Brother Cirillo, I, I want to I, I carry on the mantle. Because that was his calling, to transfer the mantle. But so many came, they were just coming for their own benefits. Because what they didn't really want, they didn't want the mantle. They didn't want to carry the message. They wanted his ministry and then to do their own thing. They wanted his influence, his, his resources, his connections, so they can do what they want to do. Are y'all hearing me? And we live in a society that highlights and emphasizes that. People will actually mock you. If you look too much like your spiritual parents, they'll say, oh, stop trying to be like Benny Hinn. Stop trying to be like Morris Rillo. You need to have your own ministry. Where did we get this idea from? Boy, I'm, are y'all hearing me? I'll tell you where we got it from. The devil was sowing it because the devil's been trying to disconnect us from our spiritual lineage. Are y'all hearing me? He's been trying to disconnect us from our spiritual lineage. So don't make sure you don't look too much like them. Don't be like them. You know, you, you, know, you got to be your own person. Be your own man. Be your own woman. No, I've got to find out. If I want to live under an open heaven, I'm going to have to be able to connect with my spiritual lineage. Because I am only one member of a master plan. Are y'all getting a hold of this? And so much of the church is wandering in the wilderness of indecision because they're trying to find themselves instead of, no, I need to find out what my lineage is. 
I need to get under the open heaven where God begins to declare. Because then there's a confidence that will come inside of you. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. And I am with you. I will bless you just like I blessed Abraham. And through all you, just like Abraham and Isaac, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Jacob, you didn't understand. You thought you were just getting the double portion by getting the blessing. No, you also got the calling and the responsibility to carry on the lineage of my master plan. You don't, have, you don't get to make up your own mind. You don't get to be whatever you want to be. Understand the concept of the flood of the world, that a flood, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. No, I need to find out what spiritual lineage I am. And I need to find my part in God's master plan. Because there is where I dwell under the open heaven. But as with Jacob so often, most of us will never tap into the revelation of God's master plan for our lives or be willing until we lose everything. So often we have to get to the place where we have we've lost what we thought lost everything, where God says, well, now that I've got you free from all your preconceived ideas and all your ways, now I can go start talking to you. And then when Jacob woke up, He said, surely this is the house of God and the portal of heaven. Open heaven. Surely this, that piece of ground? No. The piece of ground was not the portal of heaven. The piece of ground was not the open heaven. He was the open heaven because he's tapped in to the, to the God eternal destined plan for him. When he got aligned with what God's eternal plan was, then he became the open heaven. Come on, are y'all hearing me? See, we, you don't run to a place to find the open heaven. If there's a place where we see manifestation of open heaven, it's because somebody has gotten aligned with their spiritual lineage. Somebody has got connected with the part, their part in God's master plan. This is why I believe Charles Finney said, I believe what Charles Finney said, that revival is not a sovereign or random act of God. But revival is the expected end of the application of specific biblical principles. I believe what he was beginning to tap into an understanding is that when you get aligned in the perfect alignment of God's master plan, you then become an open heaven and there is revival. helping anybody right now I was in Kenya 2015 
I was getting, I was in Nairobi for one night, heading off to another city several hours away for a week. And then I was going to stay in Nairobi, but drive out every day, about two hours drive to preach somewhere else. Spirit of intercession hit me so heavy that morning. I want to encourage every one of you. This life that we're talking about, this is not something when the spirit of intercession comes on you that you'll say, well, I'm a little busy. I'm running late, Lord. I'll get to it later. No, this is, you've got to yield. The, the moment it comes, yield. Huh? I just got... And I had a young man with me, and I'm, I'm wailing, and I'm travailing. I didn't care what he th- I looked like. God spoke to me. Two incredible things. He said, go into the city center and prophesy. Thus saith the Lord, the spiritual drought is over. Now, they, had, they used to have a great revival there. But Nairobi in particular has gotten so carnal. And so business-oriented in the churches, bunch of thieves. Most of the bishops are thieves. Benny Hinn says he'll never go back. They stole a million dollars from him. Paul Young E. Cho, David Young E. Cho, they stole a Bible's college from him. T.D. Jake says they'll never go back. They stole over a million dollars from him. There's one after another that said they'll never go back to Kenya because the bishops lie and they steal. So I knew this was a heavy word. And I said, Lord, that's a heavy word. You know, I'm not going to randomly say something. If you say it, it better come to pass. Come on, I'm not like a YouTube prophet. Where I can just say it false and then, you know, eat cake and pretend nothing happened. (laughs) Some Some of you are going to get mad at me, but that's all right. Because, see, we get connected to personalities, and so we don't care if they're, they're wrong. Oh, but we like them. Uh, if they're wrong, they're wrong. Don't listen to them. That's what God said. Boy, it's quiet in this Presbyterian church. Oh, Lord Jesus. Because that's what, right? We more connect to personalities. Or they, we, they say certain things we like to say, and they tell us, ooh, these fancy, you know, wild things. Let me tell you something. If someone is telling you about all these times they're having in, 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 with the glory of God in heaven, and they're not living a life that is glowing such a manifestation of transformation of Christ's likeness, don't believe them. Huh? Because when that guy Todd Bentley and the whole supposed revival in Lakeland happened, and he was talking about all these heavenly encounters, and, and, and I knew, I knew. I was one of the few prophets stood up and said, nope, it's not going to happen. God told me exactly what was going to happen. God told me this thing was going to get famous. He said the crowds are going to be huge. He said they're going to make a bunch of false prophecies about themselves that when they begin to realize they won't come to pass, they will claim, I told them to take the revival on the road, and then Todd Bentley will fall. May 3rd of that year, God spoke that to me. It's exactly what happened. The biggest crowds were the first week of July. Then all of a sudden, the crowds just suddenly start dropping off. About four weeks later, three, four weeks later, Todd Bentley said, God spoke to me. We're to take this revival on the road. And two, three weeks later, it comes out that he had been having an affair. He'd been getting drunk every night. They would have revival services. And then the whole team would go out and get drunk. Boy, you're all quiet now. Listen, those days are coming to an end. God's not going to put up with this foolishness. Jesus. 
And the apostolic, the restoration of the apostolic movement took a massive hit because all the leaders ran up there to, they, they thought, were they apostles? So we need to better bless this and commission this. So they stood on there in the end of July or the end of June and they, they all commissioned him as the next great revivalist. And I'm sitting there going, what are you doing? Why? Because they wanted to be seen as a part of what God was doing instead of having the maturity of a seasoned father and saying, something is not right here. But nobody wants to do that when they're famous and popular. We're so drawn to the spectacular. Ooh, look at all the miracles. Ooh. The devil's going to have lots of miracles. The Bible talks about lying signs and wonders. I'm not talking about those kind of people. I'm talking about a people that will literally go up into an open heaven and hear and see what God is actually going to do. And I said, what am I going to do, Lord? You want me to go stand in the street and prophesy? I'll do it. Look crazy. I'll stick out because I'm the whitest thing there. (laughs) Trust me, when I walk in the street in Nairobi, I'm like a light bulb in a dark room. I mean, I'm shining. (laughs) They're the lovely people. I love the people, but I stick out. I'm telling you. And the street boys, I mean, they come surrounding me because they're like easy targets. But anyways, nothing happened the first week. I was gone, second week, in and out. No, I, just, I felt nothing, nothing, nothing. The very last full day I was there, we're driving, we're stuck in bad traffic, moving just an inch at a time, just a little bit. I'm on the phone with uh, my leaders from Texas. All of a sudden, I feel the fire of God come on me. I said, Lord, what is this? Then I hear the sound a few minutes later of some worship in the distance. We're in the most dangerous part of Nairobi. And I turned to my driver, and I had one of my guys with me, and I said, I think I'm supposed to jump out and go into that church building. Go into that meeting where they're praying. I didn't know where we were. He's like, no, too dangerous. I said, I'm going. I feel the fire. I'm going. Because I love when, when, when you're living a life of faith and the Spirit of God comes on you, it's amazing how fearless you can become. I just went out, walked out, went in the building, big, huge building, seats like 2,000 people, and I recognized the building. I had preached there before 10 years earlier. But I couldn't have told you where that church was. I couldn't have told you, you know, I was brought to it. I don't, had no idea. They would invite me to come sit down. I don't, I, I say, no, 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 I'm just going to pray. I don't know <laughs> why I'm here. Then the pastor, the, the, the campus pastor comes up. And he says, we, he invited me to sit down. I introduced myself. He says, I said, I think I preached here. He said, yeah, you preached here 10 years ago. I said, oh. So he invited me in the front row. I sat on the front row. They went through the service, had the guest preacher preach. He's getting ready to dismiss. And all of a sudden he says, you have a word from God for us. I said, yes, I do. I get up there, I tell him the story how I just jumped out, didn't realize the cameras were on, it was being broadcast live on television all over the country. And I said, thus saith the Lord, the spiritual drought is over. And I handed the microphone right back to the pastor and sat down. He started pacing, the spiritual drought is over, the spiritual drought is over. After a couple minutes, he said, get back up here. Hands me the microphone. Young people start running out of their seats. 
They're falling under the power of God. I didn't even get a chance to lay hands on most of them. Shaking under the power of God. For an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, this mighty move of God swept. And they came to me afterwards. They said, we haven't seen a move like this in 10 years. You see, one of the lineages of my spiritual father is God would send him into places and declare a word that would shift a nation. Are y'all hearing me? Happened many, many, many times. He stood before the Berlin Wall and told it to come down. He stood in Sri Lanka and prophesied a 30-year civil war. And stood in there just a few years back and prophesied, in two weeks the civil war will end. Even the, his guy that had been there working with him for 20, 30 years said he couldn't believe it. 30-year war. Two weeks to the day later, there was a secret meeting of the rebels that had been leading the civil war, 400 of their leaders, their top leaders, all their top leaders, gathered with a secret meeting that somehow the government found out. They bombed that building. They killed all 400 of those rebel leaders, and the civil war ended instantaneously. Thus saith the Lord, the spiritual drought is over. Bishop Margaret Wanjiru, the pastor, the bishop over that church, she was raised in the slums. You know, in Kenya, you don't come out of the slums. She was raised in the slums. Then she got radically saved. Her son was a drug addict. She got radically saved. She got going on the streets and doing preaching on the streets, having street church. Kept growing and growing and growing. When they offered her a building, somebody offered her a building, she said, no. My church is on the streets. There was circumstance that happened. They had to move indoors. She reluctantly agreed that God gave her a building. She was the first pastor in all of downtown Nairobi, the first church to own their own building. Now, you got to understand, in Kenya, women are third-class citizens. Not even second-class, they're third-class. But God anointed a woman from the slum. And I'm in her church prophesying. Her son had been working, had been over here in America. He got radically saved. He was serving Rod Parsley. He was his logistics coordinator. We preached for him at times. God told him, go back to Kenya. He landed at the airport at the exact time I'm in the pulpit. His mom's church pulpit prophesying, thus saith the Lord, the spiritual drought is over. He called me up the next day, got my number, called me up. He said, I got to visit you before you leave. I hear you're flying out tonight. He said, can I bring some of my leaders? I said, yes. He comes over. He says, my leaders told me what happened. He said, God has sent me back to Kenya. He said, go back to Kenya because the spiritual drought is over. We, had a, we started praying out at the pool. Holy Ghost fell on us. We're praying, shook them a hundred, cut them asunder. We are loud. Security comes. The, the, the manager comes. They're ready. To, they're so angry. They're tapping on my shoulder. I'm not even paying attention. Man, when you're under the anointing, just flow. 
Not 10 minutes later, I finally responded. They're so mad at us. They want to kick us out. I said, let's go to my room. We went to the room. I laid hands on the power of God. Him. It revolutionized that group. Make a long story longer. <laughs> Came back four months later. For, I'm going to preach a whole week. The first night, Pastor Evans, this young man, the power of God hits him while I'm preaching. He's slain in the spirit, laid out on the floor. He stays there for nearly 24 hours. Laid out before God. And God spoke to him. There's this, na- there's this national fellowship of all the churches called the, 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 the uh, Kenya uh, National Alliance. The National Alliance. And there's a youth wing of it. Evangelical Youth Alliance. 12 million young people. The, the, the leadership you can imagine with all the different churches and denominations. It's very political. God said run for office. Run to be the president. He had been in the country 20 years. There's no way possible. He said, God, I'll only take it if I get 100% of the votes. While in my meeting, God shifted him. Six weeks later is the election. And they each get up, the main candidates, they each get up and share their piece. He gets up there. He shares what God tells him. He shares what God speaks to him. The two other main people that were left running, they both stood up and said, "Uh, everybody vote for him. He got 100% of the vote. And started using our discipleship course to train young people in Kenya. Are you all hearing me? A nation was shifted. When I'm talking about a realm of an open heaven, I'm talking about a level of obedience, even in the craziest circumstances. But you also tapping into your spiritual lineage. God also spoke to me in that time. And he said, as I have given the nations to my servant, Dr. Cirillo, so... I have given them to you. I'm not saying that to draw attention. Please, please understand. Do you understand the boldness and the confidence that comes into you when you realize you're a part of a master plan? When you realize that God, when you begin to get under that open heaven, And it's not just money. It's not just business favors. It's God speaking. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am now commissioning you to carry on the lineage of your spiritual forefather. Let me bring it a little closer to you. I am the God of Charles Finney. I am the God of Amy Simpleton McPherson. I am the God of the great revivalists of old. As I was with them, so I am with you. That we can tap into the lineage. The anointing on Brother Cirillo was not normally exclusively on Brother Cirillo. He was just the latest member of a spiritual lineage. The open heaven, the spiritual lineage. 
And everywhere I go, I'm telling you, and I just say this so that you get a hold of this. I preached down after Brother Schriller died. I preached down in San Diego. His daughter, Susan, came to me. Ivis was there. He can confirm this. He had tears in her eyes. She said, Steve, I heard my dad preaching. I heard my father. His mom, his wife, said, home. She called in. She said, ask him to stay. I waited for them to bring her in. She was not feeling well at all, but she said, I've got to see him. And she said, when you preached, I heard more. <laughs> I don't say these things to draw attention to myself. Do you understand? And I'm not saying these things to claim to be exclusive. Oh, God, I hope I'm not. But do you understand what I'm saying is we, you and I are part of a spiritual lineage. That lineage gives us access to an authority we don't have just in ourselves. That lineage gives us a right to lay claim to promises that were not just promised to us. That lineage just gives us the right to move in dimensions of influence that we would never think ourselves capable or even worthy to receive because it's not about who we are it's about who God has connected us to oh my gosh I'm preaching too long and I still haven't got to my notes brother if you'll come to help me find a place to land the voice I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. See, God's about to start realigning. He's about to get us lined up with our spiritual lineage. So many people have lost their way. They, got, they lost the message. God raised you. God birthed you in something. Many of you had powerful encounters or experiences with God in a revival or in a meeting. Somewhere. Am I telling? Is that right? That's why you're here. You're hungry. God birthed you in something. He didn't birth you in that so you could just say, oh, that was good to have. He was connecting you to a lineage. The open heaven. Becoming that open heaven is very vitally connected to understanding our spiritual lineage. I know this is deep. I know this is probably different. Psalm 78 is all about this. Father, we give you praise. Give ear, O my people, verse 1, to my law. Incline your ear to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord 
and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. Now, what is this testimony? I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I will bless you. I will make a great nation of you. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now he says, make sure you make it known to your children. That they may arise and declare it to their children. Verse 7, that they may set their hope in God. And not forget The works of God. But keep his commandments. Hear me carefully. I know this is meaty tonight. I know this is heavy tonight. But hear me carefully. Put this very deep in your spirit. The reason the young generation is wandering out there away from the church. Is because they have not understood what they're connected to. They have no sense of an eternal spiritual destiny. So they're not setting their hope. See, we keep saying set people's hope in God or touch you, God or heal you, God or give you money. No, the hope is the uh, eternal plan of God will be fulfilled in my day through my life. What did David say? He said, I, I would have given up. I would have fainted had I not believed that I would see that I would see God, that I would see the goodness of God in, in, in this day. I'm paraphrasing. I would not, if I would not see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But verse 8, and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Are you hearing me? Why were they not faithful to God? Why are people wandering? Why do people bounce from church to church to church and ministry to ministry? Because they do not know their spiritual lineage. They do not see themselves a part of God's eternal divine plan. Come on, are you guys hearing this? And so they have not set their hope. Not just their hope in what? In the eternal work of God. I am a part, say it, I am a part of God's master plan. Say it again. I am a part of God's master plan. He planned. Ephesians 1, 9. He planned and 10 for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things and head them up and consummate them in Christ. I am a part of God's master plan. Jesus prayed that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them. 
I am a part of God's master plan. Say it. I am a part of God's end time plan. There's nothing that's happened that's caught God unaware. There's nothing that happened that he didn't already make provision for. The reason we're a stubborn and rebellious generation, the reason we wander in the wilderness is we failed to be in that place under the open heaven where we know that we know that we know. I am a part of God's master plan. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. Come on. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a moment. God's taking you into drums of revelation tonight. You're not just an individual floating out there. You're not just, you're not all by yourself. Some of you even wonder, does God really love me? Does God really care about me? Oh, you know, oh, it's so much greater than that. You were chosen before the foundation of the world to be a part of God's master plan at this time. Oh my God, Rabba Shekhebe, you were chosen for this time. And it's time. You may have been wandering in the wilderness. You may have been laying your head upon the rock. But it's time for you to begin to have the revelation of an open heaven. Where God, the voice of the Lord, speaks. The voice of a trumpet speaks and says, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of your fathers. I am the God. And just like I was with them, so I am with you. Stop doing your own will, Jacob. Stop doing your own plan. I am the God that planned for you. I chose you before you were born. Not here at Genesis Upper Room on a Saturday night, be out of random. You're not here because somebody just invited you. You're here because you're a part of God's master plan. You didn't hear, you're not here just to get a healing or just to get a new prophetic word. You're here. Do you understand? God has not made a mistake with you. God is not random. God is not wasting your time. You are a part of God's master plan. And God is stepping you in to your spiritual destiny. Thus, you will live under an open heaven. Oh my God. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. We're, we're going into another realm tonight. We're going into another realm tonight. We're going into another realm tonight. Sunday.
My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Come on, pray. Jesus. When you tap into this, you tap into the promises. Behold, I am with you. And I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will bring you back to the eternal purpose. I'll bring you back to the destiny that I always planned. My God, you're a part of God's master plan. You and I are part of God's master plan for America because God's not finished with America yet. America is a vital part of God's end time harvest and you are a part of God's master plan. God says, I'm going to bring you back. 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 For I will not leave you. God says, I will not leave you until I have done whatever I have spoken. Somebody's getting a hold of this. Somebody's getting a hold of this. Somebody's getting a hold of this. It's not in your mind. Your natural mind cannot grab a hold of this. Grab it by the Spirit. Grab it by the Spirit. Grab it by the Spirit. You're a part of something so much bigger. You're a part of something so much grander. God has ordered every step. God has made every way. God has provided every provision. It's time for the wandering to stop. It's time for the wandering to stop. It's time to begin to live under the commanded blessing, the open heaven of God. Oh! It's not my will, but yours be done. It's not my plan, but yours be done. It's not my thoughts, but your thoughts. It's not my ways, but your ways. Come on, just pray a little stronger. Something's happening. Deep calling under deep, deep calling under deep, deep calling under deep. Most of the great fathers have died. They've gone on. It's time for you and I to pick up the mantle. Pick up the mantle of Oral Roberts. Pick up the mantle of A.A. Allen. Pick up the mantle of Moore Cirillo. Pick up the mantle of Billy Graham. Oh! It's like thick fire. 
It's like thick oil all over this building. It's like thick oil all over this building. God's breaking off the limitations. God's breaking off the small thinking. Surrender, surrender, surrender to his will, surrender to his plans, surrender to his purposes, surrender. My God, I'm so thick in here. Kupa Bushande, Hippo Shakatande, Hikapa Shakande, Hikapa Shakande. You're stepping into your spiritual lineage. You're stepping into your spiritual lineage. A new authority, a new boldness, a new strength. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't be in a hurry, don't be in a rush. These are the moments that change destinies. These are the moments that shift the course of people's lives. tonight you need to stand there in an open heaven and hear the voice of the Lord like a trumpet saying I am the God of your fathers as I was with them so I am with you oh. Oh. there's no government that can resist me there's no evil force that can stop my plan says the Lord there's no economic crisis that can get in the way for I have a master plan you are a part of God's end time plan tap into our, the lineage of our spiritual fathers. We tap into the anointing of Moore Cirillo. We tap into the anointing of Charles Finney. We tap into the anointing of John Wesley. We tap into the anointing. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus! Jesus! Freely you've received, freely give. Freely you've received, freely give. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God. We're in another world here tonight. We're in another world here tonight. 
they failed to be connected to their spiritual lineage they became a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation that did not set his heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God watch this watch this Children of Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. God said, I've given you spiritual warfare training. I've given you prophetic training. I've given you so much revelation in this nation. My people are armed. But because they're not connected to their spiritual lineage, in the day of battle, they turn back. They run. They hide. They shut down. They quit. They cower. Why did they turn back? Because they were not connected to the testimony of Jacob. They were not connected to their spiritual lineage. They did not know what they were a part of. So they felt isolated. They felt alone. They felt vulnerable and weak. So even though they had mighty weapons God had given to them, in the day of battle, they ran and they hid. Instead of the spirit of Elisha, who stood at the river Jordan, Picked up the mantle of his father. 
and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And he struck the waters and saw the same miracle. Elijah understood his spiritual lineage. We had no evidence that Elijah had ever moved in a miracle before that day. Can you think of one? I can't think of one. I don't think anywhere in Scripture we see Elijah moving in a miracle before that day. When he tapped into the mantle of his spiritual lineage. But don't be a stubborn and rebellious generation who is not faithful. Every say faithful. Faithful to God. Just a little softer, thank you. Be seated for just a moment. Faithful. Understand, we're talking a different realm here tonight. So many people say, oh, it'd be so cool to just hear the voice of God. It'd be so cool. Oh, guys, we're so far beyond that would be kind of neat. We're to the weighty responsibility of carrying on the legacy and the lineage of God's work in this country now. Huh? We're not in we're not individuals, we're part of God's master plan. I was in Kenya one time and went over to what was supposed to be a, a very huge youth meeting. 2,500 young people were supposed to be there. When I showed up, it was 60. The pastor who was charged with organizing the whole thing didn't even send out one advertisement. He had a wrong thinking. He thought, well, this guy wants to speak to youth. It's just a youth guy. I don't know who he is, so I'm just going to have my youth come out. After the first service, he took me in his office with tears, repenting. He said, I didn't know who you were. I didn't know what you carried. I was there several days and I spent so much money to get there and I was disappointed. You can imagine. And I said, Lord, I, I feel like I'm wasting my time. And immediately God spoke to me and said, son, I never waste your time. He started showing me how several of the things that I thought were total failures in ministry actually opened up the most important doors, set me in a different direction. You see, the world's pressure and the world's image on the church is big crowds, big fame, big success, big money, all of these things. A sign that you're under the open heaven. 
Jacob was under the open heaven in a wilderness all by himself without even a tent to cover him, sleeping on a rock. Ah. And he said, he called that place Bethel. He said, this <laughs> is the house of God. That place used to be called Luz, L-U-Z. And you know what that meant? <laughs> to turn aside, to be perverse, and to depart. The place of backsliding. <laughs> the place of turning aside from God. The place of retreating in the battle. The choice of being taken off course from the pure is the very place that once he tapped into a spiritual lineage. Once there was an open heaven. The place that was perverse and a place of people getting lost became the house of God. Because he became the house of God. <laughs> it's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you everything. But I wonder who is willing to take up the mantle of our spiritual fathers this is what the open heaven is really about the open heaven is about fulfilling the eternal plan of God the master plan of God in our day tapping into that lineage surrendering my right to claim my own path and to yield to the lineage that I was born into. Oh God, tap me in. Shikada Mashande.